Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I am your host, Zach Bitter, and today I am bringing you a guest interview. Today's guest is Dr. Kiltz, and Dr. Kiltz is a person who really likes to use ketogenic, low-carb, carnivore-esque style dietary habits and a variety of different lifestyle movement type activities to help his patients reclaim their health and wellness. So I actually went on his, I think he does two per week. He'll do like Sundays and Thursdays. He'll do a Facebook a live uh, interview topic-based type of show. And he had me on his. So once we did that, I wanted to dive into kind of what makes him tick a little bit. So I invited him on the HBO podcast and we chatted about just why he eats and act and does the activities he does for, for health and fitness and how he's kind of used that with some other folks as well. So that will be today's interview. All right, before we get going, just a few announcements. If you are on the show's Patreon page, you do have access to early release episodes as well as ad-free audio versions of the podcast. So if you want to cut right to the chase and get into the show, check it out as soon as it's recorded and I upload it. That's a good spot to do that and support the Human Performance Outliers podcast. Right now, sitting on Patreon, waiting to be released to all other platforms include Aaron Alexander, which is, uh, Aaron is an alignment, full body and mind alignment person. So we talk about a lot of stuff with uh, the connections with that. I've had him on the show in the past as well. We talked quite a bit about breathing in that one. So we dove into a few other topics. Also on there is Dr. Emily Spiegel, and she is really into foot health and strength. So we talk into like why you should be concerned and uh, include foot health and mobility and strength in your routine in order to maximize performance, health, and everything that kind of comes with moving the human body. And finally, Dr. Nick Grainer is also up there on the show. I wanted to talk to Dr. Nick because he is really into lifestyle medicine and has had a lot of success with that as well as low carbohydrate nutrition. So if you're interested in checking those out early, you can head over to the show Patreon page, which you can access through the show's landing page at zackbetter.com forward slash HPO. All right. Also, if you are interested, you can head over to the show sponsor page, which is zackbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors, where I have a list of all the show sponsors, their links, details, and promo codes. So if you want to support the show and get a discount on some of their offerings, that is the spot to check all of them out. This episode's sponsors include Ice Barrel. Cold exposure and ice baths have been increasing in popularity for a variety of reasons. If you want to get a peek into how cold water exposure can feel, I would encourage you to try hopping into a cold shower first, just for a few minutes. Pay attention to how you feel when you get out. If you like it and want to take your cold water exposure to another level, Ice Barrel has an option for you. Ice Barrel is a cold therapy training tool that offers an easy way to bring ice baths to your routine and has a smaller footprint than most ice tubs. So... 
If you don't have the space for an ice tub but want the full body ice cold water exposure, the ice barrel may be a good option for you to check out. Once you have it, all you need to do is add water and ice and jump in for a few minutes. It is as easy to fill, drain, and move to a different spot. I have been using the ice barrel for a couple of reasons personally, although I still hesitate to get in. After a few minutes, I'm met with an increased mood, or it sort of feels like a shot of caffeine when you get out. I also like to use it if I have two hard workouts that are very close to one another or blocked back to back. I find it is helpful in clearing some of the tightness that comes from the first workout, which makes the second one a bit easier to tackle. After I finish the second hard session, I give the cold exposure a bit of a break and let the recovery process kick into full gear. If you've been using cold water exposure, I'd love to hear what your experience has been so far, so feel free to reach out and share that with me. If you're looking to up your cold water exposure game, Ice Barrel was named Men's Health Best Cold Therapy Tool in 2021. It comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee, 30-day money-back guarantee, limited lifetime warranty, and ships in one to five days. If you're looking for a simple, fun, and easy way to get cold water therapy into your routine, try out Ice Barrel. Go to icebarrel.com, that's I-C-E-B-A-R-R-E-L.com forward slash H-P-O and get $125 off your order when you use the code H-P-O at checkout. That's $120 off plus free shipping with the code H-P-O when you go to icebarrel.com forward slash H-P-O. Also supporting this episode are my friends at Optimal Carnivore. Organ meats are some of the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. Despite their benefits, sometimes it can be difficult to incorporate them into your diet. Optimal Carnivore aims at making these nutrients easier to access with their products, which include grass-fed organ complex, bone marrow complex, and grass-fed beef liver. These products work great for busy people who are traveling or as they develop an appreciation for organ meats. Their grass-fed organ complex has nine different organs, including beef liver, brain, thymus, heart, kidney, spleen, pancreas, lung, and gallbladder. Bone marrow complex contains the same compounds as bone broth. Their products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and free of hormones, pesticides, antibiotics, and GMOs. They also plant one tree for every product sold. If interested, you can visit amazon.com forward slash optimal carnivore and use the code HUMANSAVE10, that's HUMANSAVE10, for 10% off your next order. As always, all HPO sponsors, links, discounts can be found by visiting the show sponsor page at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. This morning, I'm joined uh, with the first-time guest, uh, Dr. Kiltz. Dr. Kiltz, welcome to the show. Very, very uh, appreciative to be on today, Zach. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, you know, I was excited. Uh, I was excited to have you on until you won up to me and came in with your standing desk when I'm sitting here on a, a routine desk chair. <laughs> well, I gave up my desk chair, uh, you know, eight, eight to 10 years ago, and I had terrible back problems for so long. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I have a stool that I sit on from time to time or lean on and kind of rest and relax. But most of the time I'm standing and I'm moving. Mm-hmm. And because we're really meant to move more, so much of what we do has been sedentary in our modern world. I figured, well, if I work at a desk and talk to people, either this or this, 
I might as well get figure out the next way. And I have the fancy stand-up desk things, uh, but I, I I now do it whatever way I can to stand and and, and communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I do uh, some of the podcast recording standing. I just haven't set up my standing thing here yet in Austin. When we recently moved, I, I actually did more standing when we were in transit because I would have like just the oddest setup for the recording stuff that I was doing. Cause we'd be bouncing around while we were waiting to close on our house. And, uh, that I actually probably had better posture when we were doing that now than, than I do when we're here in the house, but I'll get back to it. I promise. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, have, no. have you, uh, have you followed any of Aaron Alexander's uh, work at all? He does like the align method not, stuff. I have not. He'd be a guy. I think you'd be interested in talking to at some point. Uh, I had him on the show for about an hour, uh, a couple of months ago and he's actually in Austin. So I'm getting, I'm working on recording another episode with him because we did a whole bunch of stuff like on breathing and stuff, but he's, he's really big into like alignment and just proper posture and uh, like movement, like functional movement and stuff like that. So a lot of throwing movement type things uh, just it's, it's a cool, cool person to follow on his, uh, on his Instagram account. Cause he's always got something interesting up there that he's doing from a functional fitness standpoint. Well, I, I'll look at that. I mean, I think the key is you don't have to do anything, you know, too crazy and do all of this. You really, if you think about the common things we do, walking, standing, getting up from a chair, sitting down or bed, you know, the more we're, we're mindful of those things and we do it in a, uh, a more conscious way mm-hmm. uh, that we're not just leaping up or sitting or jumping. Uh, too much of the jumping stuff is not good. But I, <laughs> 10 years ago, I stopped most exercise. And, and I had been hurting tremendously. And that's why I went to the stand-up desk. And, and I realized that a lot more light things and consciously uh, kind of more like Tai Chi and light yoga, light movement, but a lot more mindfulness and breathing, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because you know, one thing that Aaron told me too, he was like, there's so many things that we do. I mean, automatically for good reason, like breathing and things like that, but that doesn't mean we have to completely ignore it. So he said like, he likes to take opportunities of uh, like, if he's just like waiting in line at a bank or something like that, he'll sit there and just be like, while I'm waiting, he's thinking about his breathing and actually like picturing the process happening. And uh, he said, it's just like, it's just a different mindset, but once you kind of get it into your routine, you recognize those opportunities to, to look at that stuff and think about stuff. And it just, uh, um, it just uh, adds a little bit of value to some time that maybe otherwise would have just been seen as boring or monotonous or a waste. And it's probably better than burying your head in your phone <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. We do too much of this and, and uh, too much of sitting and lying around, but we're doing our normal day to day, even in a car. Mm-hmm. You can be mindful of I'm, I'm driving my car. Mm-hmm. And often we something happens, we see something and we react in a negative way rather than stepping back and giving more conscious kindness and mindfulness. And, you know, you can do it wherever you're at. Even if you're stuck at a desk, you can be more mindful and focus on your breath because, I mean, we our heart's beating although there is some evidence that we can even control our heartbeat, but the control of our breathing, you know, takes us from whatever we're distracted from and we come back to it in order to reduce cortisol and epinephrine and find more joy in the day-to-day 
maybe you will call it monotony and, and you know, just the, the day in and day out, we could see the beauty of each day and every moment at the bank or wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, before we get too, too far down the line here, Dr. Kilt, since you are new uh, to this podcast, I know you've been, uh, you've had me on your on your live stream. And I know you have, I've heard you on a couple other podcasts out there. So some of the listeners will probably be familiar with your work, but if you want to just let us know a little bit about yourself, your background and kind of what, what you're up to these days, that might be a good, a good a spot to kind of start with more or less. Well, uh, let's see, I'm a kid from Los Angeles, grew up there and uh, I became a, a, a physician, traditional standard medical doctor. And uh, through the years of, uh, of initially a little internal medicine and then obstetrics and gynecology, and then I found myself in the fertility world. I'm a fertility specialist. Um, I'm now in upstate New York, Syracuse area. I've been here for 25 years. Uh, and practicing standard medicine for years, I found that a lot of what I was doing wasn't working. I found myself getting into uh, mindfulness, the law of attraction, meditation. I read The Secret a number of years ago. And then I kind of tripped on the idea of, of diets and how diets might be helpful for and changing our diets. I was doing Atkins and running and running and running. I found uh, uh, paleo and then I found keto. And then over 10 years ago, I kind of fell across carnivore. I went carnivore myself and I stopped all the excessive exercise and bowel bleeding, arthritis, psoriasis, kidney stones, and migraines all went away. And so for the last 10 years and and, and every day, I focus on how our mindfulness and faith and, and meditation and slowing it down and cooling it down, lighter movement and exercise, and how... Uh, a significant dietary change. I don't even like to use the word diet anymore. I like to use optimal nutritional solution for a human and I can focus on carnivore. And uh, I've seen such a change in um, the patients I take care of and talk to. Uh, I've written a number of books. Um, I do uh, blogs and podcasts and, but I, I really am inspired to listen and learn from people like you, many other people that are sharing this that are, I think, bringing a new uh, way of practicing health and wellness that doesn't require a standard doctor, a drug or dissection, but um, uh, open access information, I think, is really key to, to finding a place for each and every individual whether you're choose to uh, be a, a, a long distance runner like yourself or someone who focuses on yoga or even focus on a vegetarian or, or a vegan, whatever your focus is, we all want to learn together how to, how to be healthier uh, in all ways. And that's kind of my focus today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one conversation I had with a recent guest was just with uh, any type of like dietary recommendation, whether it's coming from like a government body or from uh, someone who's well known that you happen to follow on the internet. And we were just talking about how important the role of kind of support and coaching, or even just having a cheerleader in your corner with these things. Cause it seems like with any one specific dietary approach, when someone's just left to their own, like like just basically kind of loosely hearing about it and saying, I'm going to try that. And then they just go about it without like any of those supports in there. It's like the success rate is so low. If it deviates far from just whatever they had naturally been doing, like, I guess, intuitively at that point, 
it's like something like in a single digit percent success rate. And it's like across the board, it doesn't really matter whether it's vegan, carnivore, keto, vegetarian, standard American, they all kind of have the same like low success rate. So like we, we were talking about that, like how important that is to like, that, that's probably like the next step with like nutritional advocacy is maybe less of a focus on like, you need to be eating these specific ingredients or these specific foods more about, about like, okay, what, what are, what's going to be sustainable for you? Like, what are some foods that like you actually enjoy that you're not going to like loathe to have in your, in your meals, however many times per day. Uh, but how do we put the support structure so that you kind of stay the course or put these bumpers there? So like when you start kind of veering a little too far off to one side, you kind of get redirected and then you kind of stay in a little more of a forward path. Uh, is that kind of how you find these things worthwhile with, uh, with your clients and stuff? I know in the fertility world, it's like diet's a big piece to that puzzle, right? Yeah. The nutrition is key for all humanity. And one of the things that I've learned is that we use, we use food um, more like an amusement park than, than a party when food is really there to sustain the energy of humanity in order to be creative in life. And I think it's really key. And one of the things I realized as a physician, I'm a cheerleader and a coach uh, as much as anything else. Uh, I'm not here to pass out drugs and dissections and procedures. I'm really mostly here to share ideas and then to support people in that. That's why we've written books and do these, these podcasts and uh, talking on my daily live every Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern time, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And, and uh, we've got, I've got, I talk a lot about, uh, I call it the baby solution. I've got a keto magazine. And then we have a fertility guide because I've realized that everyone's either gonna find something to read or watch and listen to. My personal bias is I think these methods of video and conversation are the very best uh, because I think human beings are more auditory and visual rather than reading is not natural to, to us. That's why I like pictures in a magazine mm -hmm. more than just words. But I, I have found that there's a lot of advice out there that maybe not as accurate or wrong because we just believe it to be right. What I personally learned is that we need a lot of oxygen. We need a moderate amount of water and we need fat as the primary fuel of the mitochondria. And we can get fat by either eating it and fat comes from an animal or we can uh, make fat in our bodies in the liver via amino acids or simple sugars. So there's lots of different ways to do this. And that's the kind of the craziness. I have my sort of, I personally focus on carnivore, but I support the herbivores and the omnivores. And I have some specific things that I'd say, well, if you want to be there, this is the better way to do it. And I, I'm really about, uh, recognizing that organic and clean, uh, even GMO, non-GMO sustainable, are a lot of marketing terms because many people are just going to the local market because that's all they have. But how can we do it? It's still in a sustainable way and get what we need. This morning, I walked into a local small grocery, uh, No James and Marcellus, uh, where the majority of the aisles are filled with packaged carbohydrates. 
which ultimately 99.9% of what's in the markets today didn't exist a thousand years ago or even a hundred years ago. And so how do we get each and every one of us to more natural dietary habits, nutritional habits? And I really believe uh, we have to do it. We have to, we have to, uh, by example, and then or uh, we have a family of fertility uh, 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 a village, essentially, that is all coming together. How did you do it as a vegan or a vegetarian or a carnivore? And that more stories are really the key uh, to all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that makes sense. I think uh, one thing that I like about doing this podcast is, uh, I'm a professional ultra marathon runner. So I think sometimes people maybe think before, before they listen to the show that like, it's just going to be a lot of running and a lot of ultra marathon type stuff. And I certainly lean into that, especially on my solo episodes, but I actually like having guests on that are like fairly far removed from running or ultra marathon running. It's still a lot of sport centric in most cases, but you know, there's a fair bit of like power athletes, bodybuilder athletes, strength athletes, uh, team sport athletes and things like that, because I see that there's a lot of parallels in things like the mindset. And I think there's also a lot of parallels in like identifying where the big movers are in the particular goal they're trying to, to achieve. And then leaning into those and really getting those established as the foundation before getting too detailed with like really small moving pieces or some of the stuff that maybe looks cool when you first see it, but you realize it's not going to do you as much good if you haven't taken care of the foundational stuff first. So a lot of times those things tend tend to revolve around like sleep, uh, proper workload and recovery for where you're at and what you're trying to do. And then your nutrition protocol. So those kind of be like, can kind of be like the three pillars that I oftentimes hit on, uh, quite frequently on this podcast. Are there like three pillars to like fertility that you focus on as like, all right, if I have this client coming in, these are the three things we have to really get like just ingrained into their schedule and then we'll start adding to that once they've gotten that in process or is it more of a like or is there just too much individuality and different things going on to really have that level of uh, precision from the beginning well when when we spoke uh i'm not a marathoner but i do a marathon and we're all doing a marathon in life right Mm -hmm. and it's recognizing that uh, the 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 pieces of the puzzle are ultimately the same but the picture of the puzzle at the end of the day is going to be unique and individual. But the body really works the same for all humanity. Uh, our cells are our cells and how they function are critical. But the, the number one is always the mind. What are you putting into the mind? What are you listening to, watching, and what are you reading? And I personally believe that faith is the most powerful thing we can practice. It doesn't have to be a God or it actually is a God because it's us individually. If we can, if we can give ourselves more kindness and more gratitude and more love, but we give ourselves more, more anger and sadness, or I can't, and this won't happen. It's too hard. When, when a lot of the coaching always begins with the mindset. So I would say that the mindset is the key. I wrote a book about 10 or 15 years ago called the fertile secret, which really was the mindset. And then, and then I talk now mostly about what are you putting in your mouth? What are you eating? What are you consuming? So a patient said the other day to me, well, I drink a glass of wine a day. And she couldn't see anything wrong with that. I said, well, 
you know, that's what a lot of people say that wine might be good for you, but I bet it's not. It's alcohol and you wouldn't give it to a child. So you have to be cognizant of what is it you're putting in your mouth. So, and then, and then the other is, how are you moving your body? And, and so are you excessively exercising, burning, trying to burn calories to be skinny, uh, but you're causing friction, vibration, and heat, which ultimately may damage the, the, the cells the, and the reproductive organs more than you understand. Uh, so if you're going to be a marathoner, exerciser, how to do it in a different way that is more in line with reproduction. So if you're in line to be an ultramarathoner, that's a whole different focus. But when you're working on becoming a mom or a dad or a parent, whatever your gender is, it is really simple things. Focus on what you desire. Seek out ideas. Remember, fill the mind with the ideas of those that have had success. And then, and then on the nutritional side, for me, uh, eating less frequently, fasting, I call it intermittently feasting. We naturally as humans are hunting ancient animals that feasted and fasted. And so by eating less frequently, because the digestive tract is, is simply there to break down the macromolecules into the micromolecules. And the, the less time you're digesting, the better for the human body. And, and so, you know, I really mind, mouth, and motion, and then listen and learn from those that are successful, get a coach and a cheerleader. And that's what we talk about and write about, which is really the foundation of the thing you desire. And if what you're doing isn't working, you gotta keep moving, persistence. And, and as you said, and I use your quote, is start where, with where you're at. That's really the key and uh, consistency. And that's why fertility coaching is really so critical and important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like half the battle, or I don't know if I'd call it a battle, but like the first step, usually from a coaching standpoint, for me, it sounds like it's the same thing for you when you're working with folks with fertility, is uh, getting like working with them from where they're at. I think you, you probably have a few more things that need to like happen maybe right away, <laughs> given that you're trying to essentially, you know, grow another human being at a certain point. But, uh, you know, starting with a person's at from a training standpoint is so important because if, or probably even a dietary standpoint, because I find like when I throw, if I, if I overload their training in the beginning, it's like, they may see, assuming they don't get injured, they may see some pretty big movement in their fitness if I don't go too far or too heavy on it, where they're breaking down to the point where they're not getting anywhere near recovering, but it's not sustainable. So they're not going to actually be able to adhere to it for very long. And then they'll get frustrated because eventually there'll be a margin of diminishing returns and they'll, they'll start uh, falling behind versus moving forward. And when I go too light, it's like, it's just not, it's not addressing, it's not, it's not actually creating any stressor that would actually make a meaningful improvement. So they kind of stagnate and remain where they were before. But when you hit it just right, I like to call it micro stressing, you micro stress to the point where like they do just enough to elicit a response and then let that recover and set in. And then that's like kind of their new, their new spot. And then they can micro stress again. And they just keep doing that until they get to the point to where they're able to do what they're trying to do. And then that's kind of like the short-term view of it. And the long-term view of it is like, a scenario where you do that, you get to your goal, you do your race in my case. And then, then you take a little bit of time off. You let everything reset. You let yourself get a little bit out of shape, actually not like 
I sit on the couch all day, do nothing, but I'm not going to focus on this rigorous stress inducing endurance training protocol. I'm going to, you know, go for some light walks, move when I feel like moving. If I want to go for a run, I'll go for a run. But if I don't feel like it, I won't, you know, just really more relaxed a little bit of time. And then before they decide what it is they want to kind of target again. Uh, so is that kind of like how uh, it works with, with your clients too, where the big first step is like, let's figure out where you are now and then make the decision of how much change we can make in any one given time in order for this to be sustainable for you. It's, it's all a little bit of stress and struggle is good for all, for everything. That's what builds life. And so the stress and struggle of being infertile and whether you're not conceiving or you're miscarrying or some other reproductive challenge is something that we have to first understand. Well, get a better history of what's going on with the physical body, get a better sense of the emotional body also. And, and we do in medicine, we throw so many thoughts and ideas, which can be very overwhelming. And I think it really is, you know, you, 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 you listen and learn where they're at, um, get a sense of what they would like to start with and where they'd like to go with that. And, and then they decide what the first step is and asking and, and seeking. And, and this is why we provide, again, websites and books and, and podcasts, which I think are critical. Uh, but access to information medicine is really difficult and it's very costly also. And that's one of the most difficult things. But more and more people are talking about it and sharing thoughts and ideas, which I think is critical. But where you're at, where would you like to get to? What are the things you'd like to do? Do you want to go right to IVF, in vitro fertilization? Do you want to start with some inseminations? Or do you want to maybe, you know, find out what the overall problem is? Is it an egg problem, sperm problem? Is it an a, a implantation problem or, a, or a, an anatomical problem? You know, do we need to look at that first? Uh, so seeking these things is, is the first thing. And communicating with people is, is really important. Listening. And I tend to be high energy and I throw a lot of things at people. And so then it's a lot, a little bit of stepping back and, and do you understand, do you know what you'd like to do? Get a chance maybe to read these things or listen and follow up, or we'll do some testing and then try to help. Uh, It's interesting for so many people in modern world, we want the fast track to get to the answer and the outcome. When I'm sure for you, uh, becoming a a hundred miler took uh, a, a training in time uh, and, and the same thing when it comes to the fertility world, it's training and time. And the more we can help people listen and learn with new and different ideas, mindset, uh, uh, nutritional changes, and then the physical changes, uh, the better. And even under you know, the biggest challenge also is economics. Uh, uh, health insurance is expensive and fertility isn't covered for so many people. We happen to be the most affordable fertility center in America and maybe beyond. We offer financing for everyone, but you know, that can be hard and confusing. So there's so many pieces of the puzzle. It takes time and, and, and learning to, to, to understand what each individual is looking for. Uh, but there's an over, there's an encompassing way that as a coach, you know, you share some basics into helping people get there. And I know that 
I, I, I had a good friend a long time ago, Dave Kilmer, amazing runner. And I really wanted to run like he ran. And it, it took me a while, but finally I can run like him, but it took me a long, it took me years. And then I was like, okay, let me do something else now. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that this episode's sponsors are Ice Barrel and Optimal Carnivore. Ice Barrel offers a solution for cold water immersion therapy and Optimal Carnivore offers organ complex supplementation. If you're interested in the discounts and details for those, you can find them in the show notes or head over to the sponsor page for the show, which is at zachbetter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's patience and persistence. Yeah, no, it's spot on. I always find it really interesting with uh, just, there is like a little bit of a personality variance from one person to the next. And uh, uh, when I first kind of get someone started with a training program, you know, usually we are working like 16, 24, sometimes more weeks out from their goal event. And uh, I'll, I'll have a setup where it's like, I couldn't, I can write like a scaffolding of your plan out where, so you can see kind of like where things transition how we build up and recover and all these things throughout the entire plan. If you want to see that, or I can, I'll have that like kind of on my end, but blind you from all, but like say the next three to four weeks. And it's always interesting to me when I ask that question, because I want to kind of see what the person wants there. Cause some people, they're just like their personality is, I know there's going to be things that we need to change, alter and adjust because human beings are messy and life is messy. And there's just no way it's going to happen on paper in practice, the way that we want to on day one, when we're looking 16, 24 plus weeks down the road. Uh, so they want to be blinded. So when I make those changes, they don't see them. And it's just like, okay, I got my new set of workouts. Now this is my focus. So that's kind of like goal one is just this first set. And that's kind of like, let's get to that benchmark. And worry about the rest when we get there. And then there's other people who they want to see the whole process and wrap their head around my philosophy, maybe in a little more detail. And then they're just totally fine. They understand like, all right, yeah, I'm going to have this workout get changed because this came up or, you know, maybe I decided to jump into another race as like a, a practice rehearsal for the other, for the goal race. So we adjusted some workouts around it to accommodate it and things like that. Uh, and I always just find that interesting. Is is that sort of similar with your clients too, where like you just have some personality variances where you're going to like put a whole lot more information out there up front for some, but kind of blind others in, in certain cases when they don't, when that would maybe overstress their, their mind, if they saw everything. That, that is really the key. And I like the scaffolding we're building the scaffolding uh, on the, on the outside of the building in order to sort of help uh, bring the, the final uh, uh, build the building in a sense. We've got that crane and the scaffolding going around it. And, and you know, it's, it, it seems like such a complicated process, but maybe as we remove all that too much scaffolding, but we just kind of clear the, the, the landscape and, and start with just you know, digging holes for the foundation. That is absolutely, I think, the critical part. Some people want to hear the whole thing and they're good at seeing the whole thing. And others aren't as good as seeing the whole thing. They want just bits and pieces. So that's a little difficult uh, uh, for us sometimes to garner that in a half an hour to an hour conversation. So, But it is critical to feel and ask questions. What do you need? What would you like? How much? But sometimes you get a sense when there's a lot of silence. And, and it's, it's just, it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so our job is is to say, okay, then why don't we start with this and let's gain some knowledge 
we'll, then we'll talk about the next step. Uh, certainly for us at CNY Fertility, we're used to a lot of, I want to go to IVF. I've already done all of this. Let's get going. But part of these discussions is how to help everyone maybe see the scaffolding, but then pick and choose maybe at what level we're going to start at for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just interesting to me that with, with people, how like one thing can be like a stress reliever for one person, but that exact same messaging can be a stress inducer for the next. And, and I find like, that's maybe where I've made some progress as a coach when it comes to like, when just learning the person's personality a little bit and recognize like, how is there's the training programming side of it, which is going to be, you know, a little bit more universal, I think from a concept standpoint, not necessarily what the workout would be, but, or the, the, the volume and frequency of the workout, but then there's the, like the messaging and the way it's presented is like kind of the art side of things where you have to kind of get to know the person a little bit and realize like, if I do this, if I say this, that's going to make them overthink something and stress about it and burn a bunch of mental energy. Whereas if I give that same piece of information to someone else that might excite them and get them motivated and reduce the stress because they're looking to hear that from me in order to like, for them to rest at ease and feel like they're doing it the right way. That's very, we're all, we all sort of, um, uh, we're attracted and uh, detracted from, from different personalities for lots of different reasons. And finding the right fit is always critical and important here. And then, but it may be the right fit, but the presentation may not be right at the moment. So always adjusting and, and uh, whether it's a work out in the physical nature or it's mindful working within that's a lot of what this story is about is recognizing as a human we have immense capabilities uh and and so helping each and every individual to see that they have as equally the same potential as anyone else and so it's about picking and choosing what's the right management uh, for for them in the in this process, at CMI Fertility, there's a there's a sort of a largeness to the process to get to in vitro fertilization and or whether it's IUI or surgery. But we have to hone it down to how to care for the individual, which is really important for modern medicine to get back to and focus on. How can we take care of that you person? And, and yet with all the a tremendous amount of too much information. But my bet is it's always just one foot in front of the other that will start you on that path. And I personally love to listen. Uh, I'll listen to a podcast or a book that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, okay, I can go for a walk or a light bike ride. And, or I'm, a, I'm a, like a, I run uh, probably a, uh, a 12 minute mile and, and, and uh, which was really good. I was kind of like this, but you could walk with me on my, on my run, but I was always listening to something always inspiring that it, cause I think the one thing about movement and exercise, it really helps us focus. And although you get the distractions, you just have to keep on, focusing on where you're at. And that's a lot of what we're working to do in this process of sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you mentioned that you had trained for a marathon once upon a time and kind of scratched that itch, so to speak. And then was like, okay, I, that that's been achieved. I'm going to move on to some other 
uh, fitness endeavors. You are, you're an energetic guy. <laughs> you, you, you look quite fit. So I assume there are goals you set for yourself from a fitness standpoint. Is there like, is the, is the programming that you do for yourself based on something where you just decide, Hey, this would be a cool thing to try to achieve. I'm going to like implement some sort of fitness programming that will get me closer to being able to do that. Or is it a different kind of target of just like general health and well-being uh, with your own fitness? Well, I think our, I call, I consider our bodies a temple and, and uh, each of us will find that goal. Um, it, it, I, I did a, a, a half marathon. That's as much as I got at okay. one point, which, which was fine. But I, I did a lot of triathlete, triath- triathlons and just getting swimming. For me, that was the that was the goal and the challenge. Mm-hmm. And I did the the did it, and I was like, oh, "Hallelujah!" My, uh, and I share with with uh, our clients or patients that health and wellness can be. It doesn't require the treadmill or or uh, exercise uh, because our bodies are really meant to be healthy and well without it. And I think my my goal right now is, and I do a little bit of bike riding. Um, I do a little bit of light weights more from time to time. I really now focus on uh, how I can stick to my my particular nutritional plan and one meal a day, maybe a light snack. I stick to water and, and, and a little bit of coffee. And I really stick to a mindfulness of positivity. So that for me is my is my new marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 to be a good person and a kind person and listening and learning uh, every day. I'm turning 66 on the 12th next week. And I'm still amazed at how I feel about 16. And for me personally, when I went carnivore one meal a day, and I I do drink a little bit of, of alcohol, little bit sips from time to time, but uh, any amount may be harmful for people. Uh, that's really the, the key for my, my physical and my goal of life is to really share ideas because there's so many people in this world that are just trying to work in the day of eating better, of thinking better, connecting better, which is has equal importance as sort of this idea that I'm, I'm running, 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 or whatever we're individually choosing is our goal. Uh, I think I see so many people that are that are overweight, um, which I don't consider obesity a disease, by the way. Uh, but they have so many challenges and troubles that I have had in my life that I think that's my biggest goal is to share ideas that maybe are simple. We don't need you don't need expensive equipment. It, 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 you're you're going out there and running or someone going out and walking uh, or doing yoga and light activities that are resistant exercises are much more powerful. You don't have to go to an expensive, expensive gym or a membership. Although the, the reason we do those things is because we want to be in a community where we have people like yourself, a coach and cheerleader. So those are really you know, my focus is today is is writing and, and podcasting and, and, and videoing, but it's still a matter of still uh, how can I help 
people find health and wellness without expensive treatments and doctors and dissections uh, or some fancy um, guru where, you know, you're, 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 you know, God, doctors are not gods. We're just regular people. Like you're, we're all just regular people. And, you know, that's why I find it so exciting today where you can find so much advice on the internet and you, you can pay for something to get a little bit more individualized, or you can still find the community that has a lot of information, uh, which today open, uh, access information, open educational resources, which I think are critical uh, for more and more people. And I think my main goal is how to teach this, share this, that you don't need to pay me money in order to have a baby. Uh, it, it just happened naturally or whatever you're suffering from is going to happen naturally because you're learning how to move your body in a better way. And, and you're learning to bring into your body between what you're thinking, what you're exposing your brain to, and what you're exposing your internal organs. Because everything we eat exposes every nook and cranny of our body to that. Mm -hmm. did, you, uh, did you arrive at kind of a nomad or one meal and then sometimes a snack kind of a protocol for yourself uh, just through kind of trial and error? Did you decide like okay, I want to really try this out and just pull the trigger at one point. Of, I, I, um, when I found out that sugar and plant-based diet is never required for a human being. Now, most herbivores eat throughout the day, but carnivores eat from time to time, not, day, not, not several times a day. And so then I you know, tried to understand why I went from my Mediterranean three to six meals a day and went to my one meal. I was doing still a Mediterranean, but when I went to carnivore, all my diseases went away. I began to recognize. So it was a combination of individual, but then I began to learn the science uh, and the science to me solved it is that your body requires fat. And when you fill your GI tract with, with complex carbohydrates, it takes days to digest. So that means you're secreting glucose along with the plant antigens and the plant chemicals into your bloodstream for days and days and days. And so our miserable, tired and brain fog and, and arthritis and psoriasis, even back pain, is caused by what's in the digestive tract. So the digestion is like a compost heap. So if you choose to eat the complex carbs and cook them well and you add fat. And so I also believe that sugar is not the energy for a cell and that in, insulin resistance does not exist, which I will bet a billion dollars on that concept. So insulin resistance cannot occur as long as you have a high sugar level. High sugar means you're going to have a high insulin. When you stop eating for days, which is very difficult to do, by the way, your, your glucose goes way down because the digestive contents have been completely eliminated. And when you look at many mammals that actually fast for months, 
And it's, it's the most amazing concept that I ever learned. So individually, I know it. And then the more people I see that do it and that are healthier than ever, and my patients do it, it's, it's a game changer. Yeah. No, I think like, like from my perspective, it seems that, uh, like there's just two, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning where there's just, if you get too narrow focused in any one protocol as being like the end all be all, then people start thinking like in this mindset of, Oh, I have to do it this way, or I'm a failure. And then inevitably, if you're going to have 90 plus percent people failing or whatever the percentage happens to be, those people are going to start blaming themselves. And then it kind of puts them in this spiral of negative self-talk and negativity. And then that usually leads to blaming someone or something, uh, maybe themselves, maybe someone else. And that's just a path that I don't think is going to end in a productive location. So then it's like about uh, just kind of finding what the person is actually going to stick to and have success with. And the folks I've had on here who've kind of done like OMAD stuff, um, and the more animal based stuff, it's like for them, they just that lifestyle of thinking like, okay, I'm going to have this one really large meal per day. And as long as they're kind of getting their, their, the proper nutrients that they need within that meal, then they're probably just as fine as if they had taken that exact same meal and broken up five times per day. Uh, I mean, I mean, in terms of getting that right nutrients, but for them, that works so much better because then whatever it is about their personality, their lifestyle, that, that puts them in a position to make that seem more ideal than whatever anyone else is doing is freeing up their, their mind to do other things, focus on other things and not thinking about like, Oh, if I have this, you know, thinking like every, every two to three hours about what they're going to eat, or did I accidentally overeat or undereat in that last meal? Do you need a course? Correct. It's like, they take something that would have normally been a three, four, five time per day problem to one. (laughs) So I'm a scientist. Mm -hmm. My job as a physician is understand the function of the human body. So, and I know that, remember, we live in a world of alcohol and drugs and excess. So the, the, the huge problem is, is that healthcare costs are driven up and up and up and up. And the harm to humans is going up and up and up. And so if we really want to be specific about the human body, that's, that's the part that I'm sharing. Mm-hmm. You can be an herbivore, you can be an omnivore, or you could be a carnivore. But uh, um, Kevin Stock is a dentist, has some really good stuff. Uh, but if you actually read the United States Department of Agriculture's journal on plant poisoning, most people have never read it. That happens to be antimicrobial. It's, it's, it's a soap. It cleanses the bowels. Most people have never heard of the glycobiome. The glycobiome is the mucopolysaccharide, complicated. It's the the lubrication for the bowels. And it's damaged because of a high plant-based fiber glycation. And the plant poisoning, glycosides, lectins, oxalates, phytates, pectins damage our body in a way that I've seen healthiest people in the world drop dead of cancer in their fifties. 
The question is why? And that's the only part that my job is to at least share that part. That's why I love French fries, uh, but I don't eat them every day. I will eat a Bucci stuff uh, olive with the martini, lots of olive juice <laughs> from time to time. Because listen, we're here to enjoy life, but now you really want to know the cause of disease. It's excess. And because for the last three plus million years, we likely ate a meal a day or less. And so the single best thing you can do is go to one meal a day. I don't eat a large meal ever because in general, most people are fighting obesity. They're not fighting uh, anorexia or, or being too skinny because we've recommended a healthy lifestyle is eating, get your calories in three to six times a day. But the single leading problem with that is the more times you eat, the higher your overall glucose level is on a higher mean level. If we can learn a little of these things by simply eating less frequently, because the GI tract's job is to break the macromolecules into micromolecules, put them into the bloodstream, amino acids and simple sugars must go to the liver. Via insulin, they must be converted to fat because the cells of your body don't use amino acids or glucose for energy. The liver must convert them to fat. That's why anorexics die fast. That's why obesity genetically actually is a predisposition to survival. Those people that get fat easily are likely how the genetic material of the the centuries have been passed on because when there was very little food to eat, you must have someone genetically predisposed to get fat easily. But again, there's lots of different ways to do it. And as you say, if we start with where you're at and we make tiny incremental changes for a marathoner, they may get there without the drastic, the same thing with fertility. So many people become parents without anything I'm sharing. But when you come to me, I'm going to throw a different idea your way that might be like, it doesn't make sense. But it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I think uh, one thing I was really curious about uh, with just, you know, talking to folks who've taken on like strict carnivore diets and then even some of the OMAD versions was uh, it does seem like at the very least, like that way of eating is going to be like a really, really fine tuned uh, uh, elimination diet. So like whatever, like, you know, whatever, they're essentially eliminating almost anything that could possibly irritate their digestive system. So it's like by default, they kind of, it doesn't matter if it was a hundred things that were bothering or if it was one thing by going kind of strict carnivore for however long it was, they gave their body a chance to kind of do what you said, like kind of reset their digestive system a bit. And the thing I always find interesting is like, well, what happens to these people after they've done it for a while? Cause I've talked to like tons of people that have done it. And like, it seems to be like some of them, they'll start bringing certain things back that are like 
to just to, they want to test it. They're like, okay, I want to find out which foods were going to be the most egregious to my digestive system and which ones were more or less benign and figure out a way to like diversify their, their options a little bit. And then I've talked to other people who, as soon as they try that, they're just like, I already feel like crap immediately. And they end up going back to a pretty strict protocol and they just stick with it there. So it seems like, like, I, I think there's definitely something to, uh, one thing you said where, uh, when you're getting like really low fat diets and then you have like tons of fiber in there, it seems like that's probably going to be a recipe for disaster digestively for a lot of people out there. It seems like that would just, I mean, I know like if I eat just a ton of plant fiber and very little fat, like I'm not going to have a great experience the next few days. Like I'm going to be in the bathroom like three or four times and wasting an hour plus of my taste in there. Look at the hard part. So People can feel good and they take drugs to feel good, but ultimately it's masking the damage that's going on in our bodies because I see the diseases in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, all right? I see the Alzheimer's dementia and all the diseases, the blindness, the loss of hearing, the loss of ambulation. Personally, even back aches are due. So the bowels are not meant to digest fiber. Uh, they're not meant to digest uh, uh, uncooked plants of any significance. Personally, I think an animal-based nutritional plan is like the home run. And, and so, see, again, we eat for, for, for amusement rather than eating to fuel the Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I did a TEDx talk a few years ago. We're Ferraris. And my job is to create, write books, do videos, I do pottery and painting and I'm bad at my guitar, but I play it anyway. But really our job in life is we will eat anything if it's provided because our brain wants to feel good because in our ancient environment, food was not easily accessible. When you found the food, especially fruit, you better eat it all right now or you're going to be dead next week. So our idea of, well, it feels good, we must need it, is all made up. We need fat. We need a little bit of protein, not a lot, by the way. We need zero carbohydrates ever. As a scientist, again, that's my job, but I want to take you where you're at. But fiber, if you look at the science of where fiber came from, you'll be aghast. And it creates a lot of gas. But the one thing of a plant-based diet, it ferments in the colon. Fermentation in the colon, heat, gas, alcohol, aldehydes, methane. Those are the single leading cause of almost every disease we suffer from. If you eat three to six seeds uh, uh, and and mostly plant-based, you're just fueling the fermentation of, uh, of the bowels and you're damaging the glycocalyx. But when you damage the the mucopolysaccharide coating that protects the GI tract, it protects the blood vessels, it protects the lining of the gut of the lungs, it protects the lymphatics, and it protects the peritoneal surfaces. When that is damaged, that's when the, the microbes get into our body. That's when the lectins, oxalates, and phytates they basically are like a shard of glass that stimulates an immunologic reaction that sends your body say like, what's going on? 
It's always an interesting topic uh, to to look at, and it's probably time to have him back on it sometime. But have you ever heard of Dr. Bill Schindler? I don't know, know Dr. Bill Schindler. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He's uh, based out of, I'm trying to remember which university he's at. I think uh, I'd have to go back and look. It's been a long time since I had him on, a couple of years. But he, uh, he, he's gone out and done like a lot of uh, research and stuff along some of these like hunter-gatherer societies and stuff. So like he's gone out and like explored with the Hadza and then he's explored with some of the, I, I'm blanking on the tribe down in South America that he went with. And it was, you know, like you know, a lot of just like, just variants from one area to the next in terms of what their diet. I mean, obviously when you're living off the land or you're living uh, purely out of uh, like necessity of finding your food and what like your major obstacles during the day is finding the food, getting the water. And that's like a day's worth of work. So it's like, you don't really get around to doing much more than that at that point in time. And uh, just like the variance in the ways people have like come about taking food and prepping it, whether it be mostly animal-based, a combination of animal-based, plant-based, or mostly plant-based. There's, there's fairly rare, rarely, I think, examples of exclusivities within both of those in nature, but that's probably mostly just because where are you going to find an abundance of just one of those and not the other? And when you're scavenging around, it's you kind of take what you can get to a degree. Um, but some of the processes were just insane that he would describe about like fermentation of like potatoes that would otherwise be entirely poisonous to you that these tribes would go through. And I just always like boggles my mind, like who found that out and how long did it take them? We're the most resourceful organisms in the universe. I mean, we're going to the moon and beyond, but ultimately it's difficult for us to look around the world to find the evidence. But, but look at being a carnivore maybe is not natural to humans but my bet is we got here because that was the majority of what we ate, but we're making it up, right? And so the Weston Price is probably one of the best that looked at it. But if you read Gary Tobbs and look, you just go back and back and back. But uh, what's the right human diet? Well, there are no herbivore human populations ever. There are omnivores. And, but if you look at the Maasai, if you look at the Mongols, and if you look at uh, the Bedouins, where historically for thousands of years, we, we, we herded animals and we either ate the meat or the blood or maybe the, the, the milk, but even that was more modern. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, this is all a story. Whatever you're doing that you're happy with, keep doing it. But if you've got a problem, and I deal with those that are infertile, but I do know now that every disease is caused by a high plant-based, low animal fat diet. That's it. Uh, And so the key is how do we refocus what we put in the mind, in the mouth, and and how do we choose to move the body? That is what's going to give you the very best and most optimal human experience. And you know, someone, my daughter is allergic to avocado and a banana. You know of no one that has, that's anaphylactic to a ribeye steak. No one. They're allergic to plants, to the viruses, bacteria, and yeast that come with them. The chemicals, remember, curare, cyanide, cocaine, heroin, marijuana, caffeine, nicotine, all come from plants. Mm -hmm. And the reason we love plants is because they're 
addictive because plants are the predators and we're the prey. Yeah, it's interesting to see even just like the dosage for from person to person. I mean, you take something like a peanut, right? Like a peanut, like one could put someone could kill someone if they're allergic to it. And then I, I feel like that's probably on a spectrum where like, there's a certain amount, like if I eat a peanut, I'm not going to die. But like, you know, if I eat a certain amount of peanuts, I'm probably not going to feel great after a while. So like, I just always wonder like, what's the tolerance range or even if it's not necessarily a tolerance range, but it's like a timing game where after a while of doing this, you're going to notice the symptoms and any of the problems, like what makes that one person more susceptible to that and one that person, that other person more tolerant or robust against it. Well, that's the part that we don't know. There's a, there's a genetic and environmental sensitivity, maybe the exposure in utero, Maybe your mother's 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 exposure in utero developed some DNA changes that were passed on that really caused it. But my bet to disease is that some people are going to die right away because they have an anaphylactic reaction or some other chemical reaction. But but everyone is diseased in one way to the thing that kills someone right away, but might cause cancer in you over the years. So, you know, when, again, when my best friend Dave died of lymphoma, uh, it was trying to figure out the why part of it. But the why part of it really is so simple. Chronic inflammation silently will cause the cancer that ultimately can kill you uh, or the MS or ALS or dementia or anything else. That, but why some people over others, I go like this, but it really is trying to find and understand, you know, we, we eat spices. They're not good for us. Garlic, onions, celery, they all contain a chemical that has potential harm. But uh, most people are just trying to thrive. They're trying to survive in this world. And in the, the peasants, it was easier to feed the masses with mush plants than with meat. But a meat-based diet actually, I think, gives people more clarity, more strength, uh, and more focus, in my opinion. Now, again, you're always going to find someone or a group that's going to have an opinion that's going to counter that other opinion. When it comes to politics, religions, and diet, we are very, very unwielding in our opinions. And science and medicine is is very biased in their opinions. Uh, Lies, damn lies, and statistics, Mark Twain. It's all based on where I'm getting my money to produce my scientific advice and opinion in all of this. And all of us are biased in some ways, but I'm just, I love science and medicine because ultimately there's a simplicity to everything about the human, the human experience. Mm-hmm. And when we can step back to it and, and some people, I know for me, I, again, I had terrible migraines as a kid and bowel problems. I took every imaginable drug to make me feel better. I went to the doctors, couldn't figure it out. 
But but then finally, again, 10 years ago, when I went carnivore and one meal a day and I stick to the baby's plan, all gone. And again, it's, you know, easy is not, it is for anyone, right? Hard is only for the few. We can easily watch TV and 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 overeat and drink alcohol and even use marijuana or, 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 or tobacco. But those are not good for us. But hard is really something you have to learn from someone else and get a coach and a cheerleader. And you have to read it. But I always say, you can never comment negatively about something you haven't done. Until you do it. And then you feel it and know it. That's the, the game changer to me. And so my mission of life is to share the way of the lion or the Ferrari or the temple that we have to stop being, we individually have to become our own masters rather than manipulated by the, the masters uh, that are controlling the strings. And again, it's not a, it's not a conspiracy, but too many of us are hurting and we need help to find the answer. And we're not getting it from government or from modern medicine because it's all driven by the machine of making more money. And all hail to making money if that's what the focus is in someone's life. But ultimately we see who people are suffering in this world. And, and, and as a physician, I went into medicine. I broke my leg when I was 19. I was inspired by the hippie doctor that was helping me. And I was like, well, what does it take to do that? And I felt incapable at the time of doing it because it seemed so hard. But I had plenty of mentors that continue to help me on my way. And they put a little piece of breadcrumb in front of me. Uh, I'm going to say now it's a piece of ribeye steak. But <laughs> just a little piece of ribeye steak uh, to, to help me. Uh, and grow and change and learn a better way. Yeah, I think like uh, for with with like the science and the money stuff, it's uh, it's an interesting conversation because I just think especially with nutrition, it's like even if you have like a well done scientific like a study or whatever, and it points into a specific direction, you get like these population averages or numbers. It's like there's still going to be a percentage. It's never a hundred percent, right? It's never like oh, we did this this nutritional intervention and in the field, it was successful hundred percent of the time. So like at that point, like, you know, even well done science is going to miss some people. And then it's going to be, those are the, those are the people you're probably going to hear from the most because they're the ones who are still trying to solve a problem. And then the money part of it is always interesting to me because it's like, it, you need money to do the studies and therefore those who have the money, get the studies done and now you have a scenario where you do the best you can to eliminate eliminate a lot of the like confounding variables and things like that. But ultimately, again, we're going lab versus field in most cases. And then it's going to be like, even if like we do a study on something like sugar or processed food and we realize like, oh, so-and-so didn't gain weight, even though they ate all these packaged foods, it's like, yeah, but is that going to work for them for 20 years? And then are they going to actually be able to stick to that particular set of parameters outside of this study in the real world? And I think oftentimes the answer is no. And then we get into like, you know, we just compound the problem over and over again. And you see that kind of show up a lot of times. 
lies, damn lies, and science. <laughs> and, and, it, and so really, it, the beauty is it's individual treatments. That's mm-hmm. what this story is about. Well, that's where it needs to be, right? Right, individuals. So, you know, we can coach individuals. And, and if, if you've got a problem, what can we do to help you? Here's some solutions. Where do you want to go in this? That's what the beauty of all this story really is. And we're all distracted sometimes by the experts. Really, the experts don't have your individual uh, values uh, in focus. They're focused on something over here, unfortunately. It sounds like uh, Hello Healthy, uh, but really it's, it's, um, it's a little bit of a scam that I've noticed in modern medicine. I'm being sued by another doctor for recommending a supplement, and I come to find out the guy's got a patent. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. This is a supplement that my patients could buy for a dime, but you're selling for a dollar. And how did you even get this patent? Um, It's because you got published in a scientific journal. And then when you look at the study, you realize it's flawed. You should have never gotten it published in the first place. But our machine of medicine, including publishing in a peer-reviewed journal, is still always slightly a sleight of hand and it's about uh, uh, profits and 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 being some sort of a, a really um, a famous person rather than rather than how can I help you individually find success for the least cost um, uh, and simplicity. There's a simplicity that we've lost in medicine, unfortunately. It's so complicated, and uh, that's the part why I talk about about um, mindfulness, meditation, prayer, one meal a day. No one needs three to six meals a day. <laughs> and, and because it's, it's so, so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, I think there's uh, where, where we run into problems for sure is when we tell people that the only path forward is six meals a day or three meals a day or whatever it happens to be in a lot of cases that, it just, it kind of paints a picture of like, there's these parameters that don't need to be there and people just, they grow up. I mean, six meals obviously is maybe six full meals anyway, would be a lot, but like, just think of like the standard protocol here in the most places probably is like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then maybe a snack or two. And it's like, that's just kind of like what we train people to expect. So then when they hear anything that deviates from that, it's almost like there's a block there that they can't get past until you try it and that recognize like, Oh, maybe I can do better this way. Or maybe it's not in my best interest because my schedule doesn't make breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the conventional times, very, uh, very manageable or sustainable. And I think that's where people start to, that's the, the biggest roadblock of initially is getting past that, like programming of like, well, you eat breakfast now, you eat lunch now, you eat dinner there. And there's, then there's a social aspect to it too, which I think drives it a little bit as well. But uh, it's, it's an interesting topic one way or the other. <laughs> it's marketing. Look, yeah. we're marketed and everything is just marketing to, to take my money and put it somewhere else. And we each choose what to do, but there's a lot of things that aren't really a choice. They're really because we've been brainwashed in a way of things that aren't true. Uh, Mad Men is a great, a great series. Uh, uh, but basically we have to listen and learn from things that we can learn to take care of this miracle machine. 
in a better way. Uh, lots of breath and lots of smiles, faith first, um, water, not whiskey, wine, or beer. <laughs> uh, one, 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 one meal a day is the home run. Uh, in my, again, it, it's just the most amazing thing. Do I do a snack? Yeah, sometimes. A little bit of chocolate, maybe a little bit of salami. Uh, this morning I had leftover ribeye. I had a couple bites. I've had some water, a little coffee. Tonight, I, I, and I do make an ice cream, uh, which is really amazing, but you have to make the ice cream. Uh, you know, for me, it's always I buy steak, I buy eggs, I buy cream, a little bit of, of cheese. That's my 99% of my nutritional plan because all of those things are easily digested in the upper GI tract. They don't go to the colon readily. Meat is digested in the upper GI tract quickly. And when I say meat, I'm talking about fatty meat, not lean meat. 99% of animals will go for the fat because fat is twice the calories as meat. Well, if you're going to consume a volume of food, you want to get the calories because in an ancient environment, caloric intake and getting fat is critical for survival. Look at a polar bear. A polar bear must get fat. A brown bear must get fat to survive either the famines or the fasting while they're, while they're pregnant and they're, 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 um, they are burning fat. They don't drink water in hibernation. So many, many mammals hibernate or many mammals go weeks and months without eating, which is a crazy concept. But in our modern human world, we have been duped. And until we take control individually of the human Linus and Lion, the Ferrari, and stop being a Hugo or cow or pig or a sheep, which I respect wholeheartedly, whatever anyone chooses to eat is their choice. But if you want to know how to fuel the Ferrari, it's like a lion. Dr. Kiltz, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because you've been generous with it and it is a Sunday. <laughs> I want to thank you for taking some time to come on the podcast uh, and chatting about a variety of different things. But is there uh, where, where can people find you on, on the interwebs or otherwise? DrKiltz.com or CNYFertility.com. Uh, I have some books on Amazon. You can download my books, many of them for free on, our, on DrKiltz.com. And um, I've been inspired by you, Zach, and I'm looking forward to get some coaching on doing some movement because we all need to move to really find uh, the mission in life. Awesome. Yeah. You know, movement is a big part of my day, so uh, I'm happy to help. But <laughs> thanks again for taking some time. All right. God bless you. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, if you are interested in adding some structure to your training program, I have some options that might interest you. Over on my website, ZachBitter.com, I have a wide range of ready-made plans that have options for beginners to advanced endurance athletes. I also have personalized plan options where I will cater a plan specific to the event you are preparing for and your personal schedule and training availability. You can also access a variety of add-on options from email collaboration to consultation calls to help guide you through your training and nutrition needs. 
You can access these with or without a formal plan. So head over to ZachBitter.com and let me know what you think.